podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. We are rolling. Welcome to Best Practices, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, we're joined by high school director Gabe Johnson. Gabe's been with us on the podcast before. As a teacher, Gabe believes that learning control of language is essential for navigating the modern world. He also believes learning to appreciate literature is one of the most rewarding endeavors a person can pursue. And today, we're going to get to hear from him about a different topic because we've made the change to remote learning at Odyssey. So, Gabe, can you tell us what your best practice was this time? Sure. Thanks, Corey, for having me on again. It's really nice to be here. Um, My best practice was uh, about playing games in the classroom. I thought this was specifically important since we had transitioned to remote learning and doing all of our class interactions um, via Zoom and other online platforms. Um, It's really hard to get students engaged when your only way to interact with them is through a screen. So I have been incorporating a lot of games into my classrooms as a way to increase student engagement. Great. So you started your podcast out by modeling, which is something that we love to see. Can you describe a little bit about what you did with teachers? Sure. Um, you know, I chose to, to ra- rather than talk about playing games in the classroom, I, I made my best practice really a set of games to play with the teachers. One, because um, you really get to see what it's like at, from the student side to be engaged in a presentation where somebody is playing a game and the difference in that and um, just watching a lecture is, is, you know, it's just a very different experience. So, um, I played two games with the teachers. The first game is called Scriblio. It is a essentially um, a drawing game like Pictionary. Um, Scriblio is free online at its S-K-R-I-B-L dot I-O. And mm-hmm. um, anyone can play. You can create a private game and share it with your students. So that's what I did with the teachers. I created a game and I created a custom list of words And the only words that they would be drawing and trying to guess what the words were, were the words that I chose for that list. So that was one of the reasons why I really liked this um, online game, because I get to use vocabulary words or I get to use um, words from a unit that have to do with what I'm teaching. Right now Mm -hmm. I'm teaching a short story unit. So things like plot and um, character and foil, those are the terms that students have to figure out how to represent those visually to other students. Yeah, it got pretty competitive, right? Because I, my memory is that we got to see feedback pretty quickly about folks who were successful. Was that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, one of the things I love about playing games in the classroom and one of the ways that I think um, I'm able to reach a certain set of students with games is that competitive aspect. So after every round, you see the scores and um, you really get into the into the game that way by uh, making the stakes be about 
something other than the student's grade, but something that is immediate and something that they can see and, and they're working towards something really specific, which is winning this game, right? And, and the cool thing about it is that they are using a lot of skills other than just, you know, if you're thinking about Bloom's taxonomy, they're not just remembering the things. They also have to figure out, analyze the word, analyze their audience and think about how they're going to present this word that's, um, that's a, you know, it's, it's words and they're presenting it in a visual manner. So they're having to translate that into visuals. And, and there's a lot of like higher level thinking that happens for students to be able to do that. Are you finding that that's an effective way to bring students into the classroom experience when it's remote? Does it work basically? Well, it doesn't work for every student, but I do think that there's a subset of students and it's a, it's a very large subset of students um, in most of my classes that it really gets them more engaged than just sitting, listening to a lecture, even an interactive lecture. Um, it gets them engaged in a way, you know, the idea is that when you're having fun, you don't realize that you're learning, right? So these students are there and they're playing with their friends. There's a social aspect, which is something that's desperately missing from a lot of our online classrooms because students, you know, in high school are, are basically social creatures. So there's this social aspect where they get to talk to their friends through the whole thing and, and they don't even realize that what they're doing is really learning on a really deep level. So I do find that it is quite effective um, for certain types of activities and for certain types of learning and for certain types of learners as well. So what about the second game? What was the second game you had teachers play? The second game was Kahoot, which is um, a pretty classic teacher game. I've used it for a really long time in my classrooms, even before going um, to virtual learning. So Kahoot is a game where you as the teacher get to create a set of questions and then the questions are displayed on your screen and students use their smartphones or they can use a different window on their computer to answer the questions. So um, they're interacting both with the screen in front of them and the teacher's screen. So in order to translate this for virtual learning, um, I'd have to stream my screen, they'd be able to see it, but then they would answer on their cell phone or um, smartphone or another browser window. So what are the challenges that you're having with this? Are there any or are you, are you choosing important moments to break up lectures? Can you talk a little bit about both those things, I guess? Sure. The big challenge is, I mean, you can't do it all the time, like anything, I think in classroom, any teacher knows that like you have to have a whole bag of tricks, right? You can't rely on one, one trick um, or else that trick is going to get old really fast and it will no longer work. So you really have to um, shift things up and choose your moments. The other thing is, is not everyone works in um, a competitive environment. There are some students who it really struggle to answer questions quickly which Kahoot is really about answering the questions quickly. Um, and so that makes them feel really stressed out to have to like be on a clock, right? So it, it's not the perfect solution for every student. But I do think um, for those students who it really reaches, it's, it's a great way to get them engaged and make sure that they're not only that they're engaged, but also you get the feedback at the end of the game to see like who missed which questions, 
right? Um, and then you can see mm-hmm. like what students are still struggling with or what mistakes they're still making on material. So if using games is a way to really bring in part of the student population, I'm curious what other strategies you might be using for the students who those games aren't reaching. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think to understand the answer to that question, you really have to understand um, multiple learning styles, which is one of the things, um, you know, at Odyssey, we really think about the different ways that students learn. Um, that st- some students learn visually, some students learn hands-on, some students learn um, through repetition. So there are a number of different things that I've been using since moving to virtual learning specifically. One of them is creating presentations and embedding in those presentations assignments that the students have to do while I'm giving the presentation. This is a much slower um, paced way to go over material. But for those students who, um, you know, may feel turned off by games and the fast paced nature, the competitive nature of games, going slowly over material um, and then asking students individually to answer questions in the middle of the material along the way so that I'm building skills where I'm giving it to them visually, um, I'm explaining it auditorily, and then they're actually practicing every step of the way. That um, works for those students who are who are going to take in information, you know, in, in a number of different ways. So kind of hitting a number of different strategies in a, in a presentation like that. So would you be trying to use it sounds like what I'm hearing is you would be trying to use multiple strategies in a single class to reach different kinds of learners in a remote environment. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. And not even, not only in a single class, but learning using multiple styles um, to teach the same material. So going over the same material using several different styles of presenting it and several different styles of the students interacting with that material. Um, I think now that we're in this virtual environment is more important than ever. You know, this is a practice that I've always used in my classroom, but I think now more than ever, I don't get to see face, uh, you know, body language, um, facial reactions to things. I don't get to see the way a student's shoulders are slumped or sitting up straight. You know, I, I don't have those cues anymore. I really have to rely on a number of different inputs in order to tell if the students are getting the material and where they're struggling and what exactly they're struggling with. Yeah, I'm curious, do you see better retention when you use games in the classroom setting? Does that help retention? Does it help have better success rate with material? Um, Yes, I think it does, again, with a certain subset of students, but I've had students who I've used a game in previous years and they'll remember questions from, they'll remember the answers to questions a year later when I use, reuse the same questions or if I reuse the same (laughs) game, you know, that kind of um, learning, they're, they're actually like interacting with different parts of their brain than what they usually interact with in school. And so it's novel and, um, you know, it can really reach that set of students. Sure. 
I'm going to ask kind of, because I know that for you, you've been teaching remote classes and made the transition to remote classes about six weeks ago. So I'm just going to maybe add in the question, are you making different adjustments now than you started out the gate with in terms of your lesson planning for classes? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's been a learning process for me teaching remotely. It was not something that I was expecting to ever have to do. Um, So my first attempt at my first few lessons was really trying to translate the lessons that I had already created into online lessons. And I found pretty quickly that that was not the most effective way to do it. So I began creating new lessons that, um, that really focused on trying to hit these different multiple intelligences or modes of learning um, because that way I could be sure that I was hitting all of the students um, in my class in, in a way that they would respond positively to. And then also a lot more feedback along the way. Again, like I said, when I teach, I use a lot of visual, um, a lot of visual cues to tell me Mm -hmm. where students are and how they're doing. Mm-hmm. But without those visual cues, I found that I needed a different feedback tool. So I do a lot more interactive um, learning in my classroom, almost like every 30 seconds to 45 seconds, I'm asking a student to give some feedback in some way so that I'm hitting every student in my class, you know, a dozen times or more in a class. So are you keeping a list of students beside you as you're teaching so you can make sure to hit everybody or do you just naturally do that? Oh, I have systems. There are, um, they all are listed in my class. We, we're using Discord as our main um, platform. And in Discord, I can see all of the students in my class in a little list. So I'll go through the list and I'll just walk down the list. And I'll mm-hmm. go through the list again, and then maybe I'll go through it backwards, and then I'll go through it forwards. And I make notes. Mm-hmm. I keep a pad beside me, and I make notes when a student takes a while to respond or um, is seems to be struggling with the answer or, or gives an answer that's incorrect, right? So I can keep notes so I can go back to that student on that same um, type of problem or that same type of question and mm-hmm. check in five or ten minutes and see if um, they're answer has changed or if their ability to answer it has changed. This is so interesting. It's, it's like, we're all, I think many teachers across the nation feel like this. We're kind of in a test lab where we're just seeing how to do things in a new way. It's really interesting. And I appreciate you sharing with us. I'm wondering if you have any final bits of wisdom you'd like to share with our broader audience. I think, you know, the overall, as I was creating the my best practice presentation and, and thinking about gaming, I think the overall point that I came to or the overall lesson that I came to was really that like students need new and novel ways to interact with screens as we go to um, remote learning and really like scouring the internet, scouring um, message boards and seeing what other teachers are doing and finding ways to create um lessons that are just something different to break up the monotony of students staring at a screen. I think that's the most important thing that I discovered along the way. And so hopefully this helps um, some other teachers out there develop some lesson plans that are more interactive and helps engage their students as well. 
That was great. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Gabe, and joining us in the studio again. And tune in next week for another episode of Best Practices. We're doing it all remotely, folks. So I want to say an extra big thank you to our sound designer, River Gargarian, for helping us put this together. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud.